0: really good to be here this morning uh good to see a lot of smiling faces and uh just people coming out of their quarantines and sickness it's good to see see people amen amen Uh, my name is aj just to make it very clear i am not a pastoral candidate Uh, i serve on staff here at the church i have the privilege of doing that Um, i don't get asked to speak very often uh, but when i do uh, I take it very seriously. I don't have eight years of seminary experience. I don't have 20 years of messages to go dig out a greatest hits and you know slam it at you. So what I do, and and people might ask, how the heck does that guy prepare to speak? This is how I do it. I go to God in prayer time, and I say, God, what is it? that you want PF to hear today. So like every other time, I went to God this time, and I said, God, what is the word from heaven today? And God said, grief. And I said, excuse me? And he said it again, grief. I said, God, I don't have experiences in this area. I don't have, you know, a lot of loss in my life. While my parents are still alive, a lot of my grandparents are still here, God said, study it, read the Bible, read what I have to say about it, because this is the word that's supposed to go out today. So I've entitled the message, go ahead guys, put it up there, Got Grief. Anybody got some grief this morning? I think if we were to be honest, we could all say yes to that question. We're going to be looking at John 16 in just a minute. But before we get there, I just want to share a story with you. A Sunday school teacher was explaining the Ten Commandments to the class. She explained the commandment about honoring father and mother. Then she asked the class if there was a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters. Without missing a beat, one little boy stood up and said, thou shall not kill. (laughs) You like that? Let's do another one. A public school teacher and her student were discussing the story of Jonah and the whale. The teacher was very adamant that with the given proportions of whales and humans, it was virtually impossible for a whale to swallow a human being. The little girl was very adamant that the whale did, in fact, swallow Jonah. After many minutes of explanations on both sides, the little girl said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah himself. The teacher said, what if Jonah went to hell? The little girl said, well, then you ask him. (laughs) So grief. Grief by definition. Um, I looked this up. Deep sorrow, right? Very, very simply explained. Deep distress, an unfortunate outcome, or a cause for suffering. It can also generally be described as trouble or annoyance. Trouble or annoyance. Anybody here in the last two years, you know where I'm going with this. Have you experienced trouble or annoyance? Amen. Amen. We live in a community and in a world where this is all around us. There's some really deep issues. But I guess part of my question today is, as Christians, do we really have the tools that we need? Did we have the tools before March 16, 2020, to start dealing with this trouble, this annoyance that was thrown at us? And do we have the tools as Christians going forward to deal with this? We're going to talk about grief a little bit in the sense of, of death and loss and grieving, but we're also going to look at it as a big picture of trouble or annoyance in our life. Nothing in life can prepare us for the death of a loved one. If you've lost a loved one recently or in the past, you know the pain, you know the suffering, you know the loss. It always catches us off guard, right? There's no perfect timing of loss it's like, man, couldn't we have planned that funeral a little bit better? Like, next Tuesday, we're going to have a funeral here. No, I'm not prophesying that. I'm just saying. It, it, it's never the ideal timing, right? It's an interruption to everything. It's an interruption for, for the people that are left behind. Uh, caterers know this. I don't see the context here, but Kurt and I have discussed this a lot, right? That there's no way you can plan for, for this type of event. With every death, There is loss. The deeper the love, the deeper the loss. And with every loss, there will be grief. It's unavoidable. It's Unavoidable. When sin entered the world, we are guaranteed to experience trouble, annoyances, and grief. So let's look at that passage in John. This is John chapter 16, verse 33. And here Jesus is talking. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have Peace. So far, so good, right? In Jesus, we have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. What is tribulation? The definition of that here is a cause of great trouble or suffering. Very similar to grief. This is Jesus talking, not me talking. In the world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. Sometimes... When we're going through a grieving process, we're in this, this loss and this trouble. As humans, we say dumb things to each other. We say stupid things to each other. Oh, my kids are right there. Can't say stupid. So here's a couple examples of things not to say to somebody if they're going through grief or loss. I know how you feel. My dog just died. Don't say that to somebody. We have two dogs. We love them dearly. They're part of our family. They sleep on the bed. Now, look at me. Look at the size of me. Look at the size of my wife. She usually stands up here. You'd think those dogs would know what side of the bed to sleep on or they're going to get more room. No, they don't. They're always sleeping on my side of the bed. I'm like, dude, go over there. You have so much more room. Here's another thing people might say. Well, God needed another angel. No, that is so not biblically correct. We don't turn into angels when we die. God created angels. He has enough of them. He doesn't need any more. What he needs is us to commit to him so that when we die, we go into eternity and we worship with the angels. That's what God needs. Another dumb thing I've heard. I just heard this one recently. If one person gets saved, it's worth it. No, absolutely not. Jesus already did that. Jesus took the place of our sin. We don't need to die so that someone else can get saved. God sent his son to do that job. We are to be like Jesus, not replace him. I was always taught you have two ears and one mouth. So you're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. Now, if you do the math on that, eventually nobody stops or starts talking again. But what if we did it like this? What if we had one ear on Jesus and one ear listening to humans? I think what we say, what comes out of our mouth would be much more pleasant to each other. let look at lamenting just a little bit lamentations um, is a book in the bible it's five whole chapters that talk about lamenting mourning and weeping kind of follows this pattern that we're in today the reason why that book was written because the city of jerusalem had been destroyed it's a whole nother teaching for another time but i think if you were to be going through a season of grief and be reading that book you would see that a lot more clear today We're not going to look at any of that. We're going to look at some other scriptures. I heard this once recently. It said, if you don't mourn properly, you won't heal properly. Jesus wants to restore us. He wants to give us hope, even through our grieving process. But if we don't do it properly, we won't heal properly. Jesus said, you will have trouble. But we aren't called to stay in that time of trouble. We're called to mourn and weep but then to be healed and restored. So thinking through this whole idea of lamenting, what's a, what's a modern kind of, you know, wh- wh- what's a modern type thing that we can relate to with lamenting? And I'm not really gonna pick on it here, but country music, am I right? It's, it seems like country music is in this constant mode of lamenting. You know, you've heard the joke, what happens if you play country music backwards? You get your dog back, you get your wife back, you get your house back. (sighs) I'm not picking on country music as much as I'm trying to say, don't live in that place. Don't stay there. You have to come out of it. Here's a couple song titles I dug up of country music lamenting. She got the gold mine, I got the shaft. You remember that? You stuck my heart in an old tin can and shot it off a log. (laughs) Lamenting. These are real titles, by the way. How come your dog don't bite nobody but me? It's a real thing. It's Webb Pierce, 1960s. You done tore my heart out and stomped the sucker flat. Again, I'm not not slamming country music, but for me, this is a personal conviction. I stopped listening to country music about five years ago. The mainstream country. And you're probably sitting there going, yeah, but you're a bluegrass guy and this and that, yes. But the mainstream country music, and here's why. Go ahead and throw up the next verse. You've probably heard me say this before. These are our eye gates and our ear gates. What goes in, right, stirs up and it's gonna eventually come out. So Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I'm not saying not to mourn. I'm not saying not to weep. I'm not saying not to listen to country music. We'll get off of that in a second. But you can't stay there. You can't stay in that spot. So we're kind of going through this journey. We know we're going to have trouble. We know we have trouble right now. You say, my life isn't perfect. But now what? I'm walking through this situation. I don't see any way out of this. I don't even know where to turn. Do I really have these tools that I need to be healed and restored? I believe we do. I believe wholeheartedly it starts right here in the presence of God. Jesus said in that verse, in him we will have peace. And when you're in the presence of God, I believe we need to be very honest with him. He's not afraid of our trouble. These last two years didn't surprise God. He's not afraid of what you're going through. Just be honest with him. Say things like, God, it feels like I've been betrayed. I feel like you've abandoned me. What, what's, what's going on? Get alone with God. Get alone in his presence. Take that silent time with him. We are surrounded by noise. Even when Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? He was being very honest. He's having a very honest conversation. God's not afraid of us coming to him. I don't have this one on the screen, but but the end of Psalm 25 says, Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of their troubles. I'm gonna date myself here a little bit, but does anybody remember "Salty the Singing Songbook"? Sarah does. Man, I thought more people would know this. All right, "Salty the Singing Songbook" was um, like a, for kids. It was for kids' program. But one of the most famous songs that I remember them singing was, "I cast all my cares upon You. I lay all of my burdens down at Your feet, and if any time I don't know what to do." I will cast all my cares upon you. Anybody remember that song? So that actually comes from Scripture. Go ahead and throw the next one up there. This is 1 Peter 5, uh, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. God cares for us. He wants us to get into his presence and be honest with him. That's part of the process. Sometimes we forget how big God is. Sometimes the the trouble in our life, it's right there in front of us that we just can't see past that trouble to see how big God is. We worship a mighty God. We serve a loving Father, a listener, a deliverer, a protector, a redeemer, a healer, Arose again on the third day, miracle working Jesus. Go ahead and put that next graphic up there. Sometimes this is a process. We live in this culture where everything's right now, right now, right now. You want an answer? You get out your phone, you get out your tablet, you can find answers right now. Everything's like immediate. This is different. Grief can be a process. There are several examples in Scripture that teach us that this isn't just a get-over-it type of situation. You know, I said people say dumb things sometimes at funerals. I heard this one once. Are you back to normal yet? It's not going to be a new normal. It's not going to be like the old way going to be different. We are emotional beings. God created us that way. He created us in his image and God is emotional. He understands it. He gets it. Let's look at Genesis chapter 50. This is uh, picking up at the end of the story of Joseph. If you If you remember the story of Joseph, he had a just an awful time in his early in his life. And then he got promoted to hierarchy in Egypt. But this is at the end of the story where his father had died. They came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan. They mourned there with a great and very solemn lamentation. Those are very strong words. Very solemn lamentation. It wasn't just a quick bypass thing, right? And then the next part of the verse, he observed seven days the mourning of his father. For Joseph, it was a little bit different. It, It wasn't like a fast process. And sometimes in our life, this can be a process. It's different for everyone. So don't be afraid if your process doesn't look like your neighbor's. Don't be afraid if your process doesn't look like your father's process or your mother's process. Now, I'm sure that Joseph remembered his father for many years beyond what this passage is saying, but life just wasn't the same. He took several days of mourning. Let's look at another one. Now, I tried really hard, I know this is like a, a, it's not a downer message, but it there's not a lot of excitement in it and humor. So I tried to find a passage that had some kind of humor in it. This one, 2 Samuel 1, verses 11 and 12. Therefore David took hold of his own clothes and tore them. Tearing of clothes was, was uh, something that, Ju- that, that happened in Jewish culture after periods of grief, death, or mourning. And so did all the men that were with him. Uh, next, next slide. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. Now, if we, if we recall this story, David is being anointed as the king. Saul was the wicked king. His time was done. And David said, look, guys, I know mourning's important. So what you can do, you can mourn between lunch and dinner. But then when the sun goes down, man, the party is on. We're going to celebrate and move on. So it's a process, right? This is just a different example of mourning in the Bible. This next little point here, we need each other. That's just how God designed us, how he created us. If you're going through something like this, don't do it alone. You might see these reality shows on TV where the you know the, the persons living like 120 miles north of the Arctic Circle alone. They're miserable. 100 percent guaranteed miserable. Why? Because God designed us to be in community. He designed us to be with each other. <laughs> Same goes for this topic that we're talking about today. Don't do life alone. Surround yourself with good people, good relationships. If your friends aren't being uplifting to you, Revelation, stop hanging out with them. Get some new friends that are going to uplift you in, in Jesus, in the body of Christ. Find some good people to be around. One of the temptations, and we've seen this a lot over the last two years, one of the temptations when we're going through something like this, some kind of trouble in our life, is to be isolated. Isolation has increased so much in the last two years, we are seeing a whole new level of mental health c- problems across our community, across our, our nation. You might you might go through this and think, nobody knows what I'm going through. I'm the only one going through something like this. Nobody understands what I'm feeling right now. And then the river starts flowing, right? It gets messy. You don't want people to see you like this. You're crying, you're weeping. You're broken. You're hurt. That's the most important time when we need to surround each other. Don't be isolated. Reach out. Number one, reach out to Jesus. Number two, reach out to our community. We need each other. Earlier I talked about the dumb things that people will say. But on the contrary, people can also say encouraging things. Be that. Be that encouragement. There's life in encouragement. Don't be fake about it. Be genuine. But be encouraging. There's no doubt that there is trouble. And there will be more trouble. But as Christians, we need to encourage each other. Sometimes... It's not with our words that we need to be encouraging. Sometimes it's in silence. You say, I don't even know what that means. Sometimes you just need to be with somebody else in their time, or vice versa. I dug up one here in Job 2. In Job, this particular instance, Job had just come under attack by Satan and he had boils all over his body the boils were covering him from the Bible says the top of his head to the bottom of his feet he was suffering for Jesus literally he'd been using a pot potsherd I actually looked this up a pot potsherd is a piece of broken ceramic so he took a, a piece of broken clay and he was scraping the boils from him sounds like fun doesn't it great time So this is where we're going to pick it up. In verse 12, his friends were coming out to meet him. They all met up with him to, to mourn. It says this, For they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and comfort him. So far, so good. When they raised their eyes from afar, they did not recognize him. He was such in broken pieces. They didn't even know who he was. They lift their voices and wept. And each one of them tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head towards heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his grief was great. This is the silence that I referred to. Nobody spoke a word to Job. They just were with him. They were just being with him. Now, I imagine if, if you showed at your friend's house, Naked and dirty, they might just close the door on you. But this is where he was at. He was a mess, complete mess. But he had friends that were going to help him and encourage him, even in the silence. When you're going through the grieving process, no matter what it looks like, if it's death, if it's just minor troubles in your life, it's as if it's some kind of major attack, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't get so wrapped up in the trouble around you that you forget the end game. What's the end game? You've probably heard me say this before, but our life here on earth is such a fraction of time compared to a whole eternity with Jesus. So what's that mean? In mathematical terms, the longer that we live on into eternity, the smaller the portion of our life gets here on earth the smaller that trouble gets just pretty much goes away it's almost minute our soul will live on forever and ever bottom line is don't dwell on earthly things we were created as eternal beings we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you here Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation. Right? We learn what tribulation is. It's our trouble. It's our sorrow. It's what we're going through right now on earth. But God wants to be that comforter here. He wants to come and be that peace. Be that peace in our storm. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Back to community again. We need each other. Be comfort to those who are in trouble. With the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's the source. Starts from God. We receive it, and then we share it with those around us. That's how it works. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. It's kind of like a circle. God gives it to us. We receive it. We we give it out. God is the author of all comfort. What a comforting feeling to know that. Amen? We're going to look at another scripture here. It's a very familiar scripture to us. This is out of John 10. The thief does not come. We can just stop right there. When the devil comes knocking on your door, he comes with a purpose. He's not coming in for dinner. He's not coming in to ask how your kids are doing. He's coming in to attack you. He's coming in to steal to kill, and to destroy. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. Oh, but that's not the end of the verse, is it? Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. There is hope beyond our grief. There's hope beyond our troubles. This is a promise from God. The Father wants us to be whole. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be restored. He wants us to have that eternal hope in him through the work that his son Jesus did on the cross for all of us. In closing today, um, I just want to provide an opportunity. I'm going to have the prayer team come up. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. We're going to sing another song, but I just want to provide this opportunity for you. If you're going through some kind of trouble this morning, if you're going through some kind of grief, just want to open this altar up and say you can come and get prayer this morning. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know if you're at the beginning of a grief time. I don't know if you're at the end of a grief time. Maybe be right in the middle. Might be right in the middle of a storm. But God wants to come. He wants to meet you right where you're at this morning. If you guys know me by now, I like to quote songs to you. Songs speak to me. Oh, the worship pastor is getting spoke to by songs. Nice. There's two songs that came out last year, and they have a lot to do with what we're talking about this morning. The, the first one's called Look What You've Done. I'm not going to read it all, but just a couple of the lines. Suddenly, all the shame is gone. If you're in isolation, you're probably feeling shame. Suddenly, all the shame is gone. I thought I was too broken, but now I see. Right? We talked about that. We talked about being broken. We sang about it this morning, sweetly broken. Sweetly broken and surrendered to Jesus. I thought I was too broken. Now I see you are breaking new ground inside of me. That's the process. That's what God wants to do through us. He's teaching us. I love this part. Standing in your presence, Lord, I can feel you digging all the roots up. I can feel you healing all my wounds up. All I can say is, Hallelujah. Look what you've done. Would you stand with me this morning? There's another one that came out. It said, sometimes sorrow is the door to peace. Sometimes heartache is the gift I need. You're faithful. You're faithful in all things. In every high and every low, on mountaintops, down broken roads, you're still my rock. My hope remains. I'll rest in the arms of Jesus, come what may. Are you standing on that this morning? Are you believing that our God is still in the business of restoring, that our God is still in the business of healing, that our God is still in the business of of helping us through our troubles and our grievances? We serve a big God. This is a hospital. Church is kind of like a representation of a hospital for broken and hopeless. And again, I would just invite you as we sing this song this morning. The first line says, are you hurting and broken within?